It's 12 and Up, Season 12, Episode 4, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Christine King. Love Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Christine King is the executive director of the Interfaith Counseling Center in Providence, Rhode Island. podcast is brought to you by Down Jackets. How do you get down from a tree? You don't. You get it from a goose. Down Jackets. And Chipmunks. They are holy. They're cloistered. They're brewing beer. They're praying all the time. They are the priests of nature. Chipmunks. And we're back. So I guess that the sponsors are actually dad jokes. Dad jokes. I don't know what we called them before then. I mean, dad, the whole dad joke thing, when did that emerge? Last 10 years or so? I don't know. When I was growing up, I didn't know about dad jokes. I just thought they were awesome. But now I guess they have their own nomenclature, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm glad that this is brought by Down Jackets and Chipmunks and the wonderful jokes that come along with those sponsors. So this episode, I'm trying to get out in a timely fashion in the month of May, because May is National Mental Health Awareness Month. And in my context of ministry, I've had the opportunity to do some work with Christine King uh, around areas of mental health and faith and that sort of thing. And we were emailing and saying, what can we do this month, this time for national mental health awareness? And because of the virus going on, we kind of, our options are limited. So I said, well, you could be on my podcast. I'm self-serving if nothing else, but she agreed. And so we had a great conversation about taking care of yourself during this time and beyond and just the importance of being aware of mental health. Uh, do listen to uh, all the points that are made, info. Go to the show notes. You don't, you know, I, I'll tell you right now, go, because there's information on the show notes about places you can go for help. If you need help, please reach out. You are not alone. We're here for you. And here's the conversation I had with Christine King about mental health awareness. I'm here with Christine King. Christine is the executive director of the Interfaith Counseling Center in Rhode Island. Do you say Providence, Rhode Island, or just Rhode Island because you're everywhere? Um, I usually say Providence, but we are located in East Greenwich and Wakefield and the Cranston-Providence line. So we are Rhode Island. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So I know I I have listeners, you know, there are folks that listen all around the country um, you could still reach out to Christine if you're, if, you know, the, our California listeners or Kansas listeners. Um, it's just you've got to put the bill for that commute. That's the only thing. They're not going to cover okay. your bus fare for that. 
but now we're doing all um, communications through um, Zoom calls or phone calls. So oh, people nice. could call from anywhere right now, really. Wow. So this is a great opportunity for you to expand your base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there is something different, as we know, of not having face to face. Yeah. But I do think in these times, um, you know, this fa- this kind of face to face is better than no contact or just the phone. Do you, do you want to give your quick uh, your, your like elevator speech about what the Interfaith Counseling Center is? Sure. Um, We are a nonprofit mental health counseling center. Um, We've been around for over 40 years, and we were born out of a health and wellness um, committee at Beneficent Church. Um, And with the idea that um, we look at total health and that spirituality being a part of health. And in today's day and age, really, one should be able to talk about faith and spirituality in any counseling relationship. Um, so, but that our mission being that spirituality is a part of our total health and, um, that we work to remove any barrier to care. So, um, whether it be finances or transportation, um, we work to remove barriers to care so that anyone in need can receive treatment. And if we're not the right level of care, we work in partnership with people to um, connect to the appropriate community resource. And we um, like to uh, think that we walk alongside of people rather than just being a referring agency, rather than Mm. just handing phone numbers, we'll help make those connections. Yeah, excellent. And and even if if someone doesn't have insurance or if their insurance won't cover Mental health, I, I understand your organization will work with, with that individual to make it affordable, right? Yes. Yeah, we see people through grant programs or scholarship programs, um, um, and we do sliding scales if either of those programs don't fit. Um, and we also see people who are undocumented as well. So it's an or- excellent organization. I will. We're not going to. This isn't just a, a, a plug fest for Interfaith Counseling Center. But want to just get it all out there up, up front so people Thank know you. who you are and stuff. But it's also you're one of the primary people I go to for referrals with my own Thank folks, you. and I know you've helped a number of my own uh, congregation members. And so yeah, it's a good group for all of our Rhode Island listeners and even just the greater New England New England area listeners. You know, check out the Interfaith Counseling Center. Okay. Thank you. Ad- advertisement time is over now, right? Does that does we cover it all? Yes, I do. I do want to add. <laughs> no, though, please add. During these times, we're also working. Um, we've been gathering information about faith communities, um, and I have a a list of um, faith community leader volunteers who are available to people. Um, you know, during this stressful time, if they would like pastoral care, Mm -hmm. faith support, um, kind of purpose, meaning question, you know, people are feeling disconnected. Um, so we tried to work to, um, you know, gather resources so that whether it's a therapist or needing a, um, person in the community and a person of faith, that if that is meeting someone's need during this time that we can make that connection to. Excellent. So, okay. So we're, we are connecting, not just because this is an odd time and mental health has really come to the fore of many people's minds, but this is also mm-hmm. May, which is a me- National Mental Health Month, right? Yep. 
The Mental Health Awareness Month. I thought the awareness might be in there. Dang it. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. okay. We get the gist. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, National Mental Health Awareness Month, which is in a really important month. Um, I mean, I don't know the other months that are out there, what other kind of months there are. But it's one of the most important of, of all the awareness months that, that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, the idea of mental health, like, what? why is it, do you think, it's important for us to express to have a national mental health awareness month. I think it's important um, to, you know, having a, a month long awareness time and gives us the opportunity to showcase um, all sorts of ways that our mental health is apparent in our communities and our programming through different organizations that are supporting mental health and wellness in different ways. In normal times, we have a kickoff at the state house, Mm. which brings a lot of state attention to, um, you know, what they're doing at the state government level to support mental health issues. So that's a big part of, um, you know, that awareness to, um, laws and bills pertaining to mental health, like mental health parity is really important of making sure that health insurance companies are billing at the same rate for mental health that they are for physical health. Mm. Um, and by law, they're supposed to cover at the same rate. So okay. it's really important to bring to light, you know, all of those kind of issues. Um, and then on, I think on a you know, more personal level, smaller level, Mm -hmm. and you look at how we've adapted in this time, um, it gives us an opportunity to talk about issues, to have it be on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, that people are having conversations about mental health topics, Mm -hmm. and it opens the door for people to be talking about their own mental health. It's really important to destigmatizing, because the more we talk about it in those different levels, the more comfortable we'll be. Um, And I'm glad it has shown up the, you know, the meeting of it showing up while we're in this stay at home and social isolation time, because I think um, this is a really difficult time to maintain our mental wellness. Mm. So I'm, I'm glad that it's um, happening during this time and to have that light shown on mental health in so many different ways. Um, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the major, all the community organizations in Rhode Island that normally we print out a calendar, we pass it around, we share it. So since we're not passing and sharing and we're not showing up at different offices and we're not going to the library and your doctor's office, um, we're doing that all virtually and we're all sharing one another's information about all these virtual events and you know, people who are looking for support groups, now they can access support groups online. But how do, how do people find that? Right. So all these organizations are sharing information, which I think is building some community within the provider network of really looking at, like, we're all doing this together, and our goal really is to serve everyone and all right. um, instead of just here I am in my lane only doing my thing. Yeah, it's uh, so, I mean, it seems like there still is this, um, this sense of a, of a division between physical health and mental health and, and a priority almost put towards physical health over mental, like as long as your like cholesterol's down, um, and you know, as long as you're, you know, you're working on your weight, then don't worry about, 
how you're doing you know, mm. mentally. And, and, you know, and I guess like what, you know, what's so bizarre about that is the two are so intertwined. Mm, right. You know, so you ask them like, why are you have, why do you have a hard time keeping your weight under control? Well, eating is one of the ways that I cope with just this anxiety that I constantly have. That's what yeah. I do. And, you know, and so to say like, well, just stop eating, you know, <laughs> the vicious circle. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like, which yeah. one came first? It, it, who knows? And then also, I know like folks who deal with chronic pain, or even just chronic illnesses in general, or, or even temporary illnesses, it, it, it impacts you mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the physical impacts are mental and emotional, and our mental and emotional impacts are physical. And I, I think, you know, during this time, when, you know, many of us, we can't do anything to be helping or we can't do anything to be out and, you know, and people are saying, well, I'm just staying home. I'm not doing anything. And that we're being told like staying at home and being in your best health is the best thing you can do for yourself, your family, and your community. Right. Um, and I think where that relates to mental health is, um, when you think about if your body is in a constant stress state, um, it will impact your immune system. So it's really important for us to um, pay attention to our mental wellness and how we're feeling physically and how we're internalizing this great anxiety and stress we're dealing with because we will function better physically. Our immune system will eat better, will sleep better, like, um, you know, we'll be in better health if we can take care of our mental health. So I, been trying to talk about that during this time, that that is a way we can support, you know, give some support to our immune system. It's really important to wash our hands. It's important to social distance, a mask, all those things. And it's also really important to take good self-care of ourselves and eating right, moving, doing what you need to do for yourself mentally and physically and spiritually, connecting to other people. Um, Right. So I, what are some of the, the things that you would tell people, like, I, you know, options or ideas that you would give them for this time if they say, like, I'm just having a hard time, you know, getting through the day. I'm having a hard time not worrying all the time or, you know, are, are there things that you can like techniques or things that you can do that you suggest? Yeah, um, I mean, I would ask a lot of questions in there as to what level of right. difficulty we're having going through the day. And, you know, because there's a big range. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and, but I think, um, you know, having a routine because mm. our routines are greatly different now. So having, and not necessarily, you know, like you creating the same routine that works for me, if you want to, you know, change up breakfast, lunch, you know what I mean? But right. just each of us creating a routine that makes sense and is comfortable and kind of mm-hmm. gives some predictability to our day, making sure that, um, you know, we're feeding our body, the healthy things we need to eat. Of course, right. we're stress eating. Of course, you know, everyone's making banana bread. Everyone's making homemade bread. People are, Who's um, making all, you know, we haven't had any of that. Who's making all this banana bread or sourdough? <laughs> I haven't had any. What's going on out I there? there? But it's the, the food of COVID-19, I've okay. heard. So somehow <laughs> I, I missed that memo. Although actually yeah. we did make a loaf of challah, but that was for when we had communion one Sunday. 
Okay. So good. I did. We did that. But, some bread bake, which maybe would you have time have had time to do that if you weren't working from home otherwise? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Yeah. Good point. But yeah. I've not had any sourdough starter mixes or anything like that. Nor will I. I, haven't I refuse. Yeah. <laughs> I will not either unless they find a gluten free one. Oh yeah. But, that'd be tricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, like alcohol consumption is very high during this time. Mm. Um, so just looking at the, what we're putting into our system, whether right. it be food, alcohol, news, media, social media, cause not all of that, um, feeds our system in healthy, positive ways. Right. So right. kind of assessing those things, um, being informed is important. But how much do we need to be informed and do we need to watch CNN or Fox News or whatever 24 hours a day? And what does that do to our system? Um, And then thinking about reaching out and connecting to other people and um, what feeds your sort of heart, mind, spirit. Is it um, reading? Is it listening to music? Is it doing online church services? Mm. Is it... um, prayer? Is it going to a virtual museum? You know, what, what ways feed, um, you know, kind of the spiritual side of us, which is, you know, different for people. And this, I think, is an opportunity to explore those kind of things. But it's also daunting because we have this whole gigantic menu in front of us and thinking like, I don't know which of those things. So, um, yeah, I mean, so it kind of speaks to you know, it, it doesn't, I mean, as much as it can do now, but if to have those habits in place before a crisis happens, put you in a much better position to be able to weather the crisis in a healthy way for longer. I mean, if you already have devotional practices or reflection times or something, then mm-hmm. you can say, yeah, I know how to do this. I can just keep doing this. But if you're start, yeah, you're right. If you're starting from scratch and yeah, if you go online and just, you know, enter meditation, you'll be completely overwhelmed with all the different possibilities and options. And yeah, yeah, it can, it, that can be tough. And that's I think you're right. Like connect with someone else. Like maybe, you know, someone else who does that already pretty well and say, what do you do? What works for you? Mm-hmm. And I think at the beginning, we had that sense of like that I can't. If I normally go to a meeting on my lunch hour, I cannot mm. do that anymore. And what am I going to do? And we, you know, we need to be creative and thinking, you know, if I can't be at a meeting and I don't like a virtual meeting, how do I get that support? Right. And or I can't be in my church or faith community. How do I connect there? So it's like both challenge and opportunity. Yeah. And I think the kind of it taking an inventory because we do have, a, a, you know, a lot of sort of tools of resiliency, but very abruptly being told like we're staying home Mm -hmm. we're socially isolating i think and having this overarching fear and worry of getting sick of carrying it of making sure we're clean enough gloves and masks and it's scary so but taking those moments to think like what what are the tools what are the tools we already have what are our connections and then Um, kind of sometimes in these times of fear and anxiety, we have to either enlist support to help us make that connection, push ourselves a little into comfort zones that 
maybe stretching ourselves where we don't want to be on a Zoom call with the video showing because we feel self-conscious, but we decide to, I'm going to do it anyway because I want to connect with my community or I want to see my family. Right. Um, I like that idea of almost like writing down like what's your toolkit. So what do you what yeah. do you, what are your assets? What are your tools? What do you have? Write all those down, and then also like what are the things you need? It sounds like like I really need to have that social connection, and and where are you willing to to push yourself a little bit, and where are you willing to say like I, I can't you know go that far. That's a great idea, mm-hmm. I, I, especially here are all the things I have to work with, and and yeah, and we also we often look at mental health from from the perspective of illness Hmm. and deficit. Yeah. Um, And I try a lot to talk about mental wellness because we all share mental wellness. Right. And we're all on a continuum and we may be at different parts of that over different parts of our lives, depending on what's going on. Um, So kind of thinking, you know, let's start from the point of the wellness. Like what are, what are the strengths? What are our assets? And if we're, if we need some more, we need some more tools or we have gaping holes or we need something small or we need support, you know, kind of inventorying that and then thinking, how do we reach out and fill that? So, Oh, it's totally like, yeah, if I see someone going for a run, I don't think like, well, they must have heart disease. I, you know, I think they're taking care of themselves. Which I, so yeah. if I see someone, you know, you know meditating or, or reading, I don't think, well, I think, well, they're taking care of themselves. And yeah, I like that, that different approach of mental wellness. Um, mm. Now, and that, it, but there still is the reality that there are people who wrestle with mental health. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, and this is a much harder time. Mm-hmm. What do you say mm-hmm. to the, to the family members? Like if, you know, if the, the person that set calls and says there's a fa- member of the household who ha- you know wrestles with depression mm-hmm. and it's gotten a lot of a lot worse right now and I'm not sure what to do like how yeah. can I be present for that person yeah yeah um I get you'll probably I, ask a lot of mo- a lot more questions yeah a lot of questions about making sure that <laughs> the family member has the appropriate resources and supports they need yeah um yeah. And as you know, if those things are in place, um, and if they're in place or not, I think the sort of thought to family supporting someone like that are kind of similar that, um, you know, to fully be present for someone else, we have to do a degree of self-care. You know, we have to be grounded ourselves. We have to, um, if we're functioning from a place of such high anxiety or we go too far into, I need to solve this problem. I need to fix this. I need to get you to treatment. I need to make you feel better. We may not, we may lose some of the relationship piece because people need to be um, willing to move along their treatment journeys. So, um, you know, helping people find support for themselves, um, so that they can be fully present to support their family member um, and that they don't, um, you know, they stay present and they don't lose themselves in the process. I imagine that's something you tell people, regardless if there's a crisis going on or not, that you need to take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, And it's, I mean, there's so many people now who are, 
caretaking Mm. and offering support to other people um, that, you know, that's a, a concern of mine as we move forward that we've been holding it together with a lot of care right. and that we're going to have caregiver fatigue. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. I know yeah. from the, the clergy perspective, that's a real worry of ours, a constant yeah. um, in self-care, something that, you know, we talk about a lot, how much of us actually do it well is a whole nother story. And then you get to crisis and we all like to, at least most clergy like to jump, run to the fire and say, I'm going to take care of it. Mm. Uh, and, this has been going for a long time and to be going full steam for this amount of time is, is going to be detrimental at least. Yeah. That's, I think the, um, like the spiritual piece really, um, is an important part in that conversation because that is that realm is ways that we feed ourselves. We feed others, but we also, um, you know, do things that make us, when we're thinking of um, whether it be prayer, services, art, music, reading, um, generally those are things that um, are kind of life-giving to us and they um, support calmness in our systems and they um, ground us and orient us to positive things. Right. So making sure that we continue with those practices when we're in caretaking roles, whether it be clergy, a family member supporting your work, um, or feeling like you're really alone and all you're doing is staying home and you're not taking care of anyone, but you still need to to self-care right. to be right. our healthiest. Yeah, I, I, I have noticed, at least with my community, people are calling each other a lot. Mm. Uh, and that was what made me think of it when you said if you're alone and feel like you're not taking care of anyone, I would imagine that once you start to take care of yourself, those of you who are alone, alone start doing healthy things, you may start to think like, hey, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a while. And you, yeah. you make that phone call. And that that's a tremendous act uh, to do that. It really yeah. goes a long way. So do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know what people are going through and what they're right. struggling with inside. And many times people, um, you know, mask mm-hmm. struggle, mask depression, mask anxiety. So a reach out from someone, um, you know, could be a lifeline that we're unaware of and could really be a tremendous support. Right. Um, to the receiver and the giver of that support, um, doing things like that send our body positive signals, which de-stress us, which allow our immune systems to function better. You know, there's a, a layered positive of doing acts like that. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So stepping back from just like this crisis and into the bigger picture of, of mental health, mental health awareness, do you find that there's still a negative stigma about even talking about mental health? I think it's I yes and no. I mean, yeah. I think people freely, people much more freely talk about anxiety and depression. Um, okay, yeah. More, you know... I don't know as if I feel like that has necessarily opened the door to access and treatment. Hmm. Um, 
So I don't, I'm not sure. And then I do think there's still a lot of stigma around, um, you know, other mental illnesses. I think we're getting better with anxiety and depression. Um, but I, I think there's been some positive and some negative in a bit too. And that sometimes I think being so much more free to talk about anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. I also think then sometimes you hear and sometimes younger people say, oh, it's just anxiety. It's just your depression or it's just, you know, and that mm. we we don't want to minimize those things right. and those conditions um, and then make people feel who are really struggling, like minimize because, oh, everyone's having that, right. you know, so kind of that that balance, you know. So, so the sense that because it's being talked about more, those who really wrestle with a severe level of anxiety or depression may feel a little more silenced because yeah, yeah, we know you're anxious. We're all anxious. Yeah. So get over it. Yeah. Yeah. A a debilitating anxiety is very different from just, you know, not being able to sleep well one night because you have a a meeting coming up or a test or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, things impact your life and you're moving forward and your health and all your different health areas, whether your physical health, your mental health, your relationships, your work, your sleep, like, um, you know, that that's individual, Mm. that's a really individual experience. And, um, you know, there's similarities in groups and diagnosis and categories, you know, but that, um, you know, making, I always, feel, you know, you want to make sure that people have the freedom to, um, and I think the more we destigmatize the freedom to recognize Mm. in themselves and how it's impacting and then what's their best course of support. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things I've, I've heard about, you know, mental health and observed working with folks of how isolating it can be. Yeah, and and how hard it it can be to see because I mean you could be one could be wrestling with let's say depression, and not tell anyone, and then finally share it, and people say, "But you always seem so happy." And yeah, you, and you think, well, because they're really good at hiding it. Yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. The, you know that that deep pain, and I, and that might be part of, and that's not any not a stigma so much anymore, but just a, a you know a lack of you know being able to embrace the the severity of it. Does that make mm, sense mm, to say yeah. like, yeah, I see you, I hear you're depressed, but you always seem fine when I talk to you. Yeah. And some of it, you know, as you're saying that, Jonathan, maybe some of that is a little stigma around um, asking for help mm. or stigma in um, being able to say, I'm not feeling great. Yeah. And I'm all these things are lined up okay, but I, you know, I need support in this area. You know, we do have this sort of culture of we're supposed to have it all together. It's supposed to be high functioning. We're doing well. We've got it all going on. Um, And really what we want to be all practicing that, you know, we're social beings Mm -hmm. and we need to live in community. So relying on one another, um, and knowing we have that reliance 
we should try to look at that as a place of strength, knowing when you need that a little more, a little less is, um, right. you know, maybe, right. maybe that's a little area of work for destigmatizing. <laughs> well, and I wonder if part of it is uh, a lot of us are also in a fix it kind of mentality mm. um, where, you know, you come with a problem and we, you know, we try to listen and say, okay, so how do we fix it? You know, mm-hmm. if you're bleeding, I know, like, well, I'll put pressure on the wound and, and we'll put a Band-Aid on or stitches or whatever and we let's fix it. We don't just leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, something like that, you, you want to say, so what do we need to do to make you better? How do we fix it? And oftentimes it's not the right approach from what I understand. It's more I hear you and yeah. I'll be with you where you are mm-hmm. and, and I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm going to try to just be present with you. Is that a, a good distinction, yeah. the and there's often a fear of naming it, mm. of naming it, of saying, right. "Are you feeling depressed? Are you feeling anxious?" Um, we, if we're, we feel like someone is, you know, we'll say like they seem like they want to be left alone, or they seem like they're in a dark place. Right. And I've tried to reach out, and that's. You know, it's important to read people's cues, but it's also important for us to uh, keep reaching out and keep checking in on people. And if we're, um, you know, it's okay to say, I notice that you don't seem yourself or I notice you, um, you know, look distracted when I'm used to you being really attentive Mm. and, um, you know, that it's it's important to reach out and notice how people are um, being with one another. And I, I think yeah. we have this tendency to kind of want to back away from people. <clears throat> right. Do you yeah. think it, there, do you think there's times when it's appropriate to even be a little pushy? Not so much to say you've got to do this, but if someone says, I just want to be alone to say, I hear that. But I also care about you, so I'm just going to be here with you. You don't have to talk. We don't have to do anything. But I'm just going to be in this, be here with you. Obviously, you would have to know the person. There needs to be somewhat of a relationship built up. But is that an appropriate response? Yeah, I'd so much rather have someone respond to that with, no, I really need to be alone, than them say, I don't know why I I told that person I wanted to be alone because I really want company. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes if if you're in an isolated place Mm -hmm. and someone may say, you know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Do you want company? And no, no, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. But possibly inside that person is feeling like I really need someone to be with me, but I don't want to ask. Yeah. I mean, how much of it is I just want to be seen. I, yeah, I, I just want them to. Yeah, see I don't me. need you to. I don't need you to fix me. I don't need you to bring me to a program. I don't need, you know. And then I think we fear judgment. You know, we fear right. that if we let someone kind of in to what we may be experiencing, that we don't feel might be normal or the happiest or the strongest. Um, you know, we fear that we'll be judged. Right. So I think I love, you know, that idea of I'm just going to be with you. I hear you and I'm here. Yeah. I think is to be a little know, pushy. And if they really don't want you there, they'll say, no, no, please just go. Yeah. And then obviously respect that. So yeah. In one of the places where I wrestle with the challenge of mental health awareness 
is within my profession. And, mm. and I don't know if it's the same with um, people the, um, you know, that do therapy, you know, counselors, psychologists, such, mm. um, but a significant portion of clergy wrestle with uh, mental health challenges, you know, depression, anxiety, addiction, bipolar. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, mm. it really is a significant amount. In fact, so the Eli Lilly Foundation, Eli, you know, Lilly makes some kind of antidepressant drug. I don't remember mm. which one, um, but they years ago, decades ago, did a survey who was taking their drug and found it was a large proportion of clergy. And they thought mm. that's that's not good. Um, and so they started offering money for clergy folks to take sabbaticals and stuff, which is great. I mean, I'll always mm. take money anytime. In fact, Eli, yeah. Lily, if you're listening now, I could use some. <laughs> use some sabbatical funds? <laughs> some, I, you know, I'll, I'll use it for whatever. You tell I me, mean, yeah, I'll use it for this podcast. I'll use it for just another sabbatical. I mean, just even just to buy a lot of chocolate cake because... I love me some chocolate cake, but I would. I think it might be. I think that I like that call to action to maybe reach out to them now because this is high stress and strain yeah. on clergy and faith community people supporting one another. Right. Well, part of yeah. the challenge is, and so, and let me know if if you hear this with the counseling community, is that we are always in front of others, right, in a leadership mm-hmm. position, and. And as much as, you know, there is a, 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 an aspect of that relationship that has a power differential, mm-hmm. you know, you know, at least with Baptists, we say, well, we're not above the congregation. We walk alongside, but there still is a distinctiveness. There's a separateness um, mm-hmm. of space. And if I'm wrestling with depression and I share that with the community, part of, I think, where, you know, a fear that I would wrestle with is now, how am I going to be their pastor? Yeah. If I show myself to be that weak. And is that something you also you you find with with counselors who wrestle or I think I mean I think right there sort of what that's an example of the stigma that we just mm. have um the thread of it we have woven through oh, um, yeah. be, you know because if we think of you know mental health and wellness, like if you had a physical ailment right. that impacted a way you, you know, the, how you were leading or people seeing you, you may not, would you feel that same? Like I shouldn't tell people I broke my leg because they might see me as weak. Mm. Right. No, you're right. You're right. And, and I don't know what it is. I mean, it's still in my own mind, like, but it's different. That's my like visceral gut reaction, but this is different. And, and I hear you, I hear what you're saying. Like that mm. is the stigma, but something about that still makes it harder. Like, yeah, if I was, yeah. Yeah. If I was not able to walk, I would say put in a ramp so I yeah. can still preach. And it, it is, it is different because it's not seen in the same way. There are right. differences. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I had no idea to advocate whether someone in a leadership position should share that or shouldn't share that. I don't, right. you know, I, I don't, I feel like that would be very individual. Yeah. It does. Um, yeah. From what I've talked yeah. with my colleagues, it, it will vary from church to church. Some, uh, some congregations and the relationship with their pastors are such that it would only, it, it'll be a blessing to share for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, others, and, and not because the church is worse, it's just different. And the pastor is mm-hmm. different. We say, 
it might change it so much that you can't be the kind of pastor that you have been. Um, but we, uh, you know, I would then, I guess to say though, but find people you can talk to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Having support and having, um, some place you talk about, you know, it's, uh, and it is your place of work too. Right. So we don't necessarily always share everything we have going on in our work environment. Right. Right. Yeah. um, For a number of different reasons. Um, so I think, you know, that's kind of at play, but making sure that that combined with some stigma doesn't stop you as a clergy person or you as a leadership position. If you do need support in a particular area, it doesn't stop you from getting it. Mm. That having that recognition that if this is something I'm dealing with, whether it be substance use depression, whatever it is, but recognizing that position of strength of saying, I need to look at this. Mm. I need to think about it. And I need to see who in my community can help give me some support around this so that I can be my best and healthiest self. That's a great way of putting it. That's a really great way of putting it. And I hope, hopefully, um, everyone that hears that, if you're a part of a community, a religious community, also just share that with your your pastor or whoever your leader might be, regardless if they show signs. Say, hey, I want you to know that if you're struggling, you know, we want to help you reach out to people that can be there for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to talk to us, but please talk to someone. Yeah, yeah. I would think in a community where, um, you know, whether you, if we're open about mental health and wellness in a community Mm. that then people, whether they want to share or not, hopefully they feel at least the openness and the acceptance and the freedom to not have stigma be stopping them from their own personal action. You know, being free from stigma doesn't mean you have to share everything about yourself with everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's some things we just don't want to know anyways. The hangnail that you had, just keep that to yourself. We don't care. Yeah. But we don't want stigma to be, um, you know, stigma is one of the leading barriers to care. Mm. So we, we want um, openness and conversation and acceptance um, so that we can get to community support and care and, um, at whatever level it is, whether it's talking to a colleague, neighbor, friend, family member, whether it's individual counseling, whether mm. it's a day program, an outpatient program or hospitalization. We don't want any level. We want a- a- people to feel free to access whatever level they may need yeah. and that stigma not to be the thing that holds them that back. Excellent. So, um, you know, you, you are the executive director of the Interfaith Counseling Center, suggesting that there is a religious emphasis in, in what you do, but also because it's interfaith, that, that kind of says what kind of religious emphasis. That's one where it's, some, it's very welcoming of people from various backgrounds, traditions, etc. Mm-hmm. Have you had encounters with faith traditions that you would say are negative towards mental health? Interesting question. Um, I think of, um, so I, I think for, I try to use the word spiritual and faith because, um, sometimes religion brings Mm -hmm. up different 
things for different people. Sure. That makes sense. Um, so, um, really the only time that I refer, like sometimes people call and they're looking for Christian counseling right? and right. Christian counseling tends to be, is Bible based. Right. So that would be a referral I would make to a community partner. Okay. Because, okay. um, you know, we practice in a way that is um, open to any faith background or tradition, any faith background, tradition, spirituality, right. religion. Right. Whereas Christian counseling is a particular faith, right? Based a particular and, faith, religious tradition based on a particular book. Right, and and yeah, and to be clear, this is not counselors who happen to be Christian. Yes. these are. Christians who are overtly taking their Christianity into their counseling and using it as the, the, the guide to how they do their counseling. So yeah, it's a Bible based. Yeah. In my experience has been, it, it tends to be more conservative in the theological side. Um, not necessarily bad to a point. Um, I have had encounters of times when it is bad, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to throw that at you and say, what do you guys say to that? I was curious if you, so it sounds like you haven't had negative experiences with people from religious or spiritual traditions, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and also that, um, you know, I'm sure people have had things in a particular religious tradition cause negative thoughts and feelings in their yeah. lives because of their particular experience. Right. And, right. um, so, and, you know, we were, have a strong tradition of working with people who have experienced violence and abuse mm. within faith communities. Yeah. Um, I don't believe, and that gets associated with the religion. Right, right. That makes sense. So, but that is a, you know, particular terrible experience that someone within that, you know, it isn't the religious tradition that, right. you know. Can I, can I get on a soapbox for a minute? Is that, is that okay? Right ahead. Go right. Okay, here I am. I'm climbing on my soapbox. Uh, people, if first of all, if a religion harms you, then it's probably not right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are wrestling with any kind of anxiety, depression, addiction, God doesn't do that to you to punish you. Okay, God is not punishing you. Demons are not afflicting you. This is just a part of who you are, and it's a part of the wounds you have to work with and carry with. It doesn't make you less of a person. Please hear that. And it's not because you've sinned someplace in your life and you have to reconcile that sin. It's not because you've done something wrong or your parents have done something wrong. It's just a part of who you are. And please hear that God created you good and you are good. Hmm. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now. I just Thank wanted to. Thank you. That was, um, that was an excellent soapbox to get oh, on. Oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> Phew. I, I mean, I have, I have like 20 soapboxes of various yeah. topics, and some of them just get so ranty that I'm told just, no, get off of them. But I'm no, glad to get, take important. that one out. And I, um, you know, as an interfaith organization, um, I sort of feel that I, you know, I, I want to leave the speaking of particular faith to like you. Right. Yeah, I can make <laughs> um, the critique. And this is towards Christians. I'm not making that. I can't make that. Well, any religious tradition that harms, 
I'm going to critique. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And, and maybe that's me. Maybe I'm stepping outside my bounds. But any tradition that harms people, that you know, something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think people have had experiences where they have felt harmed. Yeah. Um, and have been harmed by their religious tradition. And, um, you know, the, only, the way to move forward from that harm is to um, talk about it, to maybe mm. be in counseling about it if you don't feel like you can talk about it in other places, yeah. Um, yeah. to give it air so that um, it doesn't control you mm-hmm. and impact your moving forward in your healthiest, best life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, people wrestle with things for a long time that they're afraid to talk about in present time and have a lot of shame and guilt and, um, you know, how just, you know, it's really important that people feel, um, as you said, that that's not like you don't cause those things. Yeah. You know, no one that is not, I don't believe that's, God's will, the universe, the higher power, whatever, inflicting harm to show us lessons. Right, right. That's a weird form of love. And in any other circumstance, we would call that abuse and the child would be taken away from the parents. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. (laughs) That is heavy. Well, that's how I roll, Christine. You know, this is not, we, we don't, we don't throw softballs here. We just write, we get to it, you know, and we get into the, into the weeds if we can. Yeah. Uh, like so is, is there a, is there a, like a national website or something that you want to, you could uh, turn people to for um, mental health awareness? Do you know of anything? Um, a great resource now um, locally that could take you to other, there's so many, yeah. but the um, Mental Health Association of Rhode Island, Okay. Um, their website has um, a calendar of events. It has links to um, all the other mental health resources. They have links to advocacy. Um, that's a great one to look at. Um, okay. If people, and now, you know, people are doing telehealth. Um, so you can make appointments with providers. Um, if people need immediate support, um, BH link is a great place to call. They're a 24 hour, um, mental health, um, option that, um, you can speak to a counselor. Right. You can call them at any time. Um, yeah, and and so, if you're if you're out of state, folks, still look these up. I'll have all this on the show notes so people okay. can find them. Um, and if you are from out of state, you know, check out these and see what you have in your state. Uh, clergy folks, have this in your in your browsers. Have those numbers ready for when people call you or when you need it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. lay folks as well. There's no reason why it just has to be clergy. Right. And I'm always happy to help direct um, people to, you know, and I think a a stigma piece in the mental health world, too, is it's hard to make that first phone call. Yeah. So I'm happy to be a receiver of a phone call when maybe you don't even know what kind of support or help you need. 
that, you know, our, our mission at the Interfaith Counseling Center is to provide that kind of support. And whether it's in Rhode Island or somewhere else, you could feel free to call the Interfaith Counseling Center and talk. To, I talk to pretty much everyone who calls. That's, um, is, there, so. is there a number you want to give out now or would you rather I just put it on the show notes? Um, I can I can give it out to reach me directly. It's 401-595-4809. Um, that's, that's my, and please respect Eastern standard time is, is, is when you are in. So if you're in a different (laughs) time zone, just be aware of that. Thank you. And a text is fine too, to that number. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to help connect people to whatever resources um, I'm aware of. And if it's a resource needed, I'm not aware of, I, the interfaith counseling center, we have a case manager, um, who is awesome with community connections. So um, we will find what we need. Excellent. Excellent. So folks, I mean, one, I think to kind of bring us to a close, like when you, when you, I said, I I did make some bread and you said, well, you had a little more time. We all, one of the things that came, that's uh, come out of this current crisis is because we've had to shut so many things down. We do have a little more time. Uh, We're finding ways to fill it. But mm. with that, you know, reach out to each other. You know, make that. I know so many of you are, but keep making those phone calls. Uh, don't just, you know, send a text, but then follow it up with a phone call. Do those things that will take time and energy for you to connect with someone else. Um, yeah. Just the, the message, the email, those are nice. But go, go one step further and have a real-time conversation with someone and, and, and be present with them in the best ways yeah. that we can. Yeah. But, we're missing a lot of little social connections that we're used to making. Yeah. So I think the, uh, the face-to-face and the voice connection is really important. Um, and you, know, you hear a lot of people saying now, you know, we're all in this together and we'll get through this and right. we're in a storm, we're all fighting. But I've also heard people say we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. So being mindful too that um, what may feel opportunity for one person because they have more time and they're making bread or doing yoga at home or exploring a new hobby. Right. Um, not everyone is having that experience. People right. are um, experiencing, you know, terrible health crisis, losing jobs, financial insecurity, food insecurity. So being really mindful of how people in our community are experiencing this and keeping that in mind when we do start to go back out into the world, Mm. when we see people in those casual connections that, um, you know, just trying to be present with people is, is really important. Wow. Nicely said. So thank you. Well, Christine, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. I'm always happy to talk about mental health and particularly in um, alongside of faith and spirituality, I think is a, an awesome combination for health. I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with Christine. Um, she's she's just really good and does some great stuff with um, mental health and mental health awareness. I want to encourage you to go and check out the website for the Interfaith 
um, Counseling Center. I'll have that on the show notes. And seriously, if you do need help, don't hesitate to reach out to to them, to Christine, uh, or someone that you know. It's important that you take care of yourself. Uh, the show notes for this can be found at 12enough.com. That's 12 written out. There you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes. You can also find the Kitchen Table Spirituality episodes that I've been doing with Charlie Eastman. It's good to have Charlie back. If you want to leave a note or write a note, leave a note, you know, just write on a piece of paper, drop it off. If you want to send a note about this episode or anything else, that can be sent to 12enough at gmail.com. Go to Facebook and follow follow the show at 12 and up and uh, you can hear about things that are happening or you can give other comments and all that fun stuff and if you want to follow me on twitter that's at pastor malone not at 12 and up and as always thank you very much for listening Twelve Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is a pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Christine King is the executive director of the Interfaith Counseling Center. The thoughts, ideas, opinions, ruminations, moments of brilliance, moments of saying, hmm, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, grr, mm, do not reflect the host's places of employment, their churches, their families, their friends, their denominations, those who they take care of, those who they try to take care of, but, you know, do okay. And anything else of that nature, these were their own ideas. This was their podcast. Podcast.